Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilovescbc.org. We continue in our study this morning as we look at life together. And what does that mean as a church? As we move forward trying to live this life together. We've looked at the example that's laid forth in the early church. Just after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the people gathered together and formed the very first beginnings of the church. And that's laid out for us here in Acts chapter 2. And we've talked about this as being the church blueprints for how we should do church even today. Those very first months, they got it right. And we're going to try and get it right in our church. We're going to try and do better than we have been doing. We are looking at life together. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the Word of God and how that is an essential part of the early church. Last week, we looked at the mission of God. Next week, we'll talk about prayer as vital to the church. This week, this week we are talking about fellowship. Fellowship as defined by the early church. Fellowship, it's about doing life together. It's about being with one another and sharing our lives with the people who are in this room. It's about knitting our lives together. So I have a question for you as we begin. How would you divide your life? How are you spending your time? And it feels like an unfair question in some respects as we look at, are we spending our time in the Christian world? Are we spending our time in the non-Christian world? And I realize that the question isn't a, a fair or accurate question to your life, but I want you to kind of think of it in these big global terms. How are you spending your life? In the Christian world? In the non-Christian world? We want to be spending ourselves in the Christian world in such a way that we are inviting non-Christians into our community. Such that we're uniting this Christian community and this non-Christian community in a way that is inviting to others. But one of the challenges that we sometimes encounter is that sometimes we move away from the Christian community. We kind of live our own personal faith, our own personal story. We end up kind of going this solo approach, trying to be this lone Christian in the non-Christian world. It doesn't work. We end up with a a self-serving faith, if a faith at all. Sometimes we go the other direction. And we spend so much time with Christians and we become so united with other Christians that we turn into a knot. Nothing gets into that knot. Not even other Christians and certainly not the non-Christian world. We find ourselves in this little Christian community that's so tight that serves no one but ourselves. Certainly that's not what the early church was doing. 
the early church was living in such a way, living in such a Christian community, living in such a fellowship that they were literally inviting others in, that others were drawn to it, others were welcome, and they grew in number. Let's read this verse together that comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Let's read. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is what happened in the early church. Daily, their numbers were increasing because their fellowship was so inviting. Their fellowship showed the true love of God, a true love for one another. And people who were not part of that said, I want that. I want to be with you. And they welcomed them. As we look through our task today of trying to develop this type of Christian fellowship, feels like a big ask. Feels like we have a long way to go. And as we think and we look at that early church in Acts chapter 2, I don't think I've ever been in a church that was living that out. I don't think I've ever seen a church that was so focused on sharing Jesus and living life together that people were literally being added day by day. But as we look at that goal that we set out for ourselves of doing life together, we can look and say, seems like a long way to go. There's an expression. It says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It's a big ask, but we can go forward. Let's go forward one step at a time. Let's look today and say, I can make a step forward in this life together, in this aspect of fellowship and life together. As we go through the sermon this morning, we're going to see three things. We're going to talk about the idea of go together, we're going to talk about the idea of be hopeful, and we're going to talk about the idea of do good. And as we look at those ideas, I'll have some small practical suggestions for us to help us in those areas. Next week, Pastor David in his message will give us a much more bigger picture of practical, real step things that we can do to be this church that is doing life together. Also, this morning, I'll tell you a little bit about our small groups, which are a great aspect that we have in our church now for doing fellowship, for being together, and living out some of this aspect that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. First thing that we see is we, we want to go together. We want to move forward with others, with other people in this church that person who's in front of you, behind you, beside you, those are the people that we want to move forward in our life. We don't want to go solo. We don't try to do it all by ourselves. There's simply no shortcut to becoming old friends. And that is what we aspire to. And Sunday mornings are a good start 
but it's insufficient to reach the goal. It's good we're all here this morning. Hopefully you stay after the service and spend some time with people in that way. That's a good start to the fellowship. But it's insufficient. We're going to need to do more. We're going to need to go together. Let's look at a verse from Acts chapter 2. It begins in verse 46. Let's read this together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. They did life together. They were together in the temple courts. They were together praising God. They were together in their homes as they ate, doing the ordinary, everyday events of life they were together. And for our church, as we think of this idea of go together, I hope that we can establish a culture of invitation, a culture of inviting other people into our everyday moments of life. The normal things you do, invite someone to come with you. Is there a movie you want to go see? Invite people to go with you. Do you like to go on a run? Invite someone in this church to go with you. What is it that you like to do in your ordinary, everyday life? Don't go alone. Invite someone to come with you. And the thing is, is that we could try to organize this, and we could announce events, and say, this is going to be so-and-so night, and everyone come do this thing that we just organized. But that doesn't work. We all know that doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Then it sounds like another thing to do. And for most of in this, in this room, the last thing any of us need is another thing to do. But we all do need life together. So I want you to think of what you're doing in your own life. What are your own interests? What are things that you could be doing with another person that you are currently doing by yourself? We want a culture of invitation. And I'll tell you, invitations, they require some risk-taking. They do. Because when you invite someone, a lot of people are going to be like, sorry, can't do it. I'm not available. I don't want to do that. And they'll think of nicer ways to say that than I just said. But they'll, they'll, they'll politely decline. And in this risk-taking of invitation, I want us to show charity to one another. And by charity, assume the best. If they say they're busy, I think they're just busy. Sometimes I'm busy and I don't have time to do things too. Let's assume the best of others. But let us be people who invite others. Let us be people who go together. Second thing I want us to see this morning is that I want us to be hopeful. Be hopeful. Hope. Hope is the anticipation of God's work in our lives. 
Hope is the anticipation of what God is doing in our world. Hope always has this idea of looking forward. It always has this idea of anticipation. Hope also has an idea of expectation. We believe these things will happen. We believe God will work things out in this way. Hope in a church, in our lives, is like preventative maintenance. Preventative maintenance. What is preventative maintenance? That's changing the oil on your car. So on your vehicle, you go get the oil changed, because if you don't, the engine's going to stop working and then your car doesn't work. Hope in our fellowship is preventative maintenance. When we have hope, when we have an expectation of God's work, it keeps our fellowship from suffering irreparable harm. And as we talk about this idea of being hopeful, I want to talk to you a little bit about the book of Titus. So it's a small book towards the end of your Bible. And Titus is a book that is all about relationships. And in the discussion of relationships, the book of Titus encourages again and again to do good. Do good for others. And then there's some practical suggestions about how you work with people, how you work in this relationship. But in the end, it's all pushing us forward to the idea of doing good for others. So our fuel for doing good is hope. It's hope. Our fuel for hope is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. That is what gives us hope, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a verse that comes out of Titus. Let's read this together. God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who he poured out generously through Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Through our relationship with Jesus Christ, through the salvation that we have with Jesus Christ, we have been given a hope of eternal life. And hope sets our eyes on the destination. It sets our eyes on where we are going. The completion of God's work, not only in our life, but the completion of God's work in the lives of the people around us. Hope moves us forward. Because we look at our moments that we're having today and we say, this isn't the end. This isn't what my life is all about. My life is what Jesus is moving me towards. And I may not experience it in this moment. I may not even experience it in this life. But I will experience in the one to come. I have hope for God's work in my life. Hope sets our eyes on the destination. And if we, as a church community, want to live in fellowship with one another, we all want to have hope. 
because hope sets our eyes to where we are going. Hope sets our eyes to the work that is taking place through Jesus Christ in our lives and in the lives of those in our church, in the lives of those in our community. Hope sets our eyes forward. And when we set our eyes forward, we're not worried about all the problems next to us. We're not worried about what's here or there. We say, I'm going there. By the power of Jesus Christ in my life, I am going there. It's a little bit like driving or walking on a busy sidewalk. In both cases, if everyone is just looking up and looking forward, there's not going to be any problems at all. The moment you have problems driving or on a busy sidewalk is when people start looking down. People start checking the side. What's going on over there? But when everyone just keeps their head up, looking forward, everything works smoothly. In a church, our fellowship moves forward. Our fellowship grows and strengthens when we all have hope and we are all looking forward. We're looking forward because we know the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ gives us a hope. It's not about this moment right now. It's about that moment that has yet to come. A practical suggestion for us. As we live in fellowship, when we try to keep our eyes forward, when we try to be hopeful, a practical suggestion for us is to avoid comparisons. Comparisons are all about looking to your side. How do I compare with this person? How does that person compare to that person? Comparisons are all about looking sideways. As hopeful people, we want to look forward. And when we look forward, our fellowship will strengthen and will grow. Third thing we want to look at today is to do good. Do good. One of the things I looked into this week is why do people come to church? Why do they show up? So there was a, a Gallup poll from a few years ago that looked into this question. So people who are already going to church, why do they go to the church that they are going to? So the top three reasons that people choose their church that they are attending are this. Sermons teach the scripture, sermons that connect life, programs for children and youth. So we look at these top three reasons. One of the things I noticed with all of those is that they're all about the self. They're all about me. What do I get out of my church experience? Those are all three questions that are driven by what's better for me? What's better for my family? And the reality is, is that when each of us first came into this church, those were the questions that you were asking, and rightfully so. Do I like the people here? Do they seem welcoming? Do I like the music? Do I like the pastors? Those are all questions that we want to ask when we come into the church. Absolutely so. But those are questions that we ask when we come in. 
Those are questions that if we answer them um, according to our preferences, we stay. But those aren't the reasons that we keep coming over and over and over again. Because those are reasons are all about me. And I hope as a church that our attendance here on a Sunday morning isn't all about what I want, what I get out of this. But it's about doing good for the people next to us. Doing good for that person that's in front of you, the person that's behind you, the person that's beside you. We want to do good. Let's take a look at this next verse out of the book of Titus chapter 3. This is verse 8. Let's read this together. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to distress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Let's devote ourselves to doing good. And the key phrase that I want you to see out of that verse is that these things are profitable for everyone, not just ourselves. They're profitable for everyone. They benefit the other people. So as we come into this church, and we think, how do we strengthen fellowship? How do we go about this idea of doing good? Help others. Do something for other people. Each Sunday, do one thing. Do one thing that's for another person. And you know what? We have a lot of us who are in here doing that. And I think, generally, as I look around the room, that's, that's the heart I see. Is we're going to come to church, and it's not just about me, it's about helping others. We can do that. We can do that. And when we do good for others, when we seek to help others, we do so out of a love that we have for them. Out of a concern that we have for them. We don't come to the church and do good so that we can feel better about ourselves. No. We don't come to the church and do good but get angry that we don't think the person next to us is doing as much good as they should be doing. We just come and do good. And it just flows from us. And it's who we are going to come on a Sunday morning in this church and we're going to do good. And doing good comes in so many different forms. Sometimes doing good is setting things out. Sometimes doing good is putting things away. Oftentimes doing good is starting a conversation with someone in here. Doing good, how are you? Doing good, let me pray for you. There's lots of ways that we can do good in this congregation. In our church, we have small groups. Small groups are a great way to move forward in this idea of fellowship. As a big group, as a Sunday morning congregation, it's hard to do all the things I was just talking about. It's easier in a small group. It's easier with the people that you meet with during the week. And we have groups that meet during the week. 
And people come and they experience fellowship. They deepen their relationships with those around them. They look into scripture. They pray for one another. They begin these aspects of fellowship, of deepening our relationship with one another, and doing so in a way that we're drawing others in. So in our church, we have, I'm going to go through some of the groups that we have in our church, and so that you're aware of those. And as I come to a group that you're a part of, could you just kind of wave so that we can see who, who's a part of that group? So we have a, a Monday night group called Voices. We have, I see some hands up. And they meet twice a month on, at 6.30. Uh, we have a married group that meets on Wednesdays. And they meet, I see some, I see some hands, see some hands right there, yeah? And uh, we have, um, so the married group meets three or four times a month, just not the, la the fourth Wednesday. Right? Did I get that right? So just not the fourth Wednesday for the, the married group. We have our Friends in Faith, which meets once a month, on the third Thursday of the month. I see some hands who are part of our, our Friends in Faith group. Um, we have a group uh, that meets on Monday night, so I lead that group that is um, the younger adults, so we have some graduate students who are part of that, and I see some hands. Um, yeah, and so we meet on Mondays, um, just not the... Um, first, second, and third Mondays of the month. And so as I was looking around, to be honest, I didn't see that many hands going up. That's why I'm talking to you about fellowship and small groups. Um, because you could be a part of those. You could be a part of those. And you're, you're, if you go, you're going to be happy you win. You're going to be happy you win. I, I mentioned earlier, fellowship, the go together, there's risk-taking, it's, it's hard to go to a new place. It's hard to try it out. And it's a little bit smaller, so there's fewer people, which can be more intimidating. Going to a group of five can be more intimidating than coming to church on a Sunday morning. There can be a bit of anonymity here on a Sunday morning. When you go to a small group, there is uh, no anonymity. People will know your name. People will say hello to you. It'll be good. You'll be glad you went. You'll be glad you went. And so we're going to talk even more about that next week. But my encouragement for you, if you're not part of a small group, give it consideration. If you don't know what the next step is for you, you're like, I'm considering it. What's the next step? You can talk to me, and I'll make sure you, we get you going in the right direction. And this is a way that we as a church can go about living this fellowship that is part of the early church. Small groups are a great way to do that. And so my encouragement for you is to become a part of those. Invest your life in a small group. Let me pray for us. God, we're thankful this morning for the great love and kindness that you have shown to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we're thankful for the great example that we have of what church can be through your very early followers. God, I pray for us as a church that we would indeed 
I'd live out the fellowship to which you have called us. Challenge us, God, so that we can go forward in loving the people in this church as we should. God, so we can go forward in loving the people in this community as we should. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.